Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast with your host, Scott McMahon. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, filmmaking freedom for the independent. This is a podcast where we focus on making and selling your film for online self-distribution. A perfect way to get started is to pick up the book, How to Make and Sell Your Film Online and Survive the Hollywood Implosion, while doing it. It's available as a paperback, in Kindle ebook, as well as an audiobook. In fact, you can get the audiobook for free when you go to survivetheimplosion.com. When you go to that link, you can sign up with Audible for their free trial and get the book for free. Again, that's at survivetheimplosion.com. Hey everyone, so this is going to be sort of a quick intro so we can just jump right into the episode. Uh, Today's episode is entitled, How to Market Your Indie Film. And this is part one because uh, there's a part two because we just talked, or I should say I talked for way too long. (laughs) Uh, So it's like an hour for this one and like a little bit uh, less than an hour on this part two. And what happened was I had these filmmakers um, from England, uh, contact me about their film, and we started just chatting on an email. And I thought, well, why don't you guys come on to the show and we sort of workshop your indie film um, so everybody else can hear of this concept or the, uh, the discussions about how would you market your indie film, especially if you're going all by yourself, if you're going to be self-distributing it online. And uh, so the, the filmmakers that are joining me today uh, is uh, Jamie Benyon and Lucy Jordan. And they um, made a film just south of London, and it's called Time of the Season. And it's it's similar to films like uh, Home for the Holidays or August Osage County or uh, This is Where I Leave You, uh, these sort of ensemble family uh, film. It's a family that gets together, and it's a big ensemble cast, and all chaos sort of happens, you know, in a dark comedy sort of way, I guess you would say. But I want to just cut to the chase uh, because both uh, Lucy and Jamie have been working in the business as PAs on some of the biggest films of late. Uh, Wonder Woman, Doctor Strange, Fantastic Beasts, Rogue One. So yeah, they've been in the film industry and they just wanted to make their own. And But now they're at this conundrum of like, oh gosh, we just finished it, we did it, but now what? And uh, so sit back and enjoy part one, um, as we kind of get into a couple different topics, uh, we get to hear about what it's like to work on really big films like that, um, uh, especially on, on the PA level. And then we get into their film and we talk about the pitch, um, ex- discovering and extracting what the theme, what will be the theme of their movie that eventually becomes the marketing message and how to take that marketing message and apply it to uh, Instagram thumbnails and um, you know Facebook thumbnails and uh, creating a tagline when you have no stars and how to combat the traditional sort of online marketing of interruptive marketing and we get into um, you know other things other tips and sort of discussions about marketing techniques Um, so yeah without further ado here's our here are my guests uh, Jamie Benyon and Lucy Jordan here in the Film Trooper podcast on this very unique episode which is workshopping an indie film how do you market your indie film? Part one. Okay. And so you had written a blog post um, um, for the filmmakers process about, you know, finishing your film. And you're mentioning that um, you spent, you, you know, uh, some time on some big movies. And if you can kind of give us a rundown of those movies, uh, working as um, a production assistant, you know, which is yeah. sort of a very stressful job, but sort of like... Um, it is probably one of the, the best jobs to sort of get into when you want to get thrust into the industry. Just see, like, if you want to know what it's like on a set, 
go for it. This is all the stuff you're responsible for and more. Yeah. So if you want to give us a little rundown of your uh, of some of those credits, it'd be, it'd be helpful for the audience to see where you're coming from and why you wanted to make your own independent feature. Well, both Lucy and I were PAs. We are sometimes, we might even consider doing it a bit more now, but I've done, I've worked on Wonder Woman, Free Fire, which is a British director called Ben Wheatley, his new feature film, Rogue One, Alice in Wonderland, Through the Looking Glass. What else have I done? What have you done? I worked on, so most recently, The Halcyon, which is an ITV drama, and that came from working on Downton Abbey for a little while, and I did Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them last year, a year before. And I did some dailies on King Arthur, Point Break, Grimsby. And then we also both worked on a lot of um, sort of low-budget sci-fi and sort of Essex gangster films. Yeah. You tend to um, uh, start off with those low-budget gangster films. (laughs) Which aren't too bad. You know, it's where we first met each other. So, um, uh, you know, we can't, you know, slag it off too much. And you learn to work quite hard on those. And then it's not such a shock when you get up to the blockbuster level. Yeah, because the blockbuster ones, they are pretty hard. I'm not sure if any of your listeners know that, but they are really intense really intense but they're awesome because obviously you get to work on like, the big budget stuff and when i was working on wonder woman i was on second unit for seven months so oh, it's cool. pretty you know you're working obviously you know you've got wonder woman you know minus three temperature up in watford and you know she's trying to you know blow up stuff it's pretty unbelievable that you get the opportunity to see that sort of stuff right so right. it's pretty just so intense <laughs> let me ask you so, so for the listeners to understand it's like you know you know, working as PAs, I mean, there's, there's several of them, but they're, you know, you're dialed in, you've got the walkie talkies and, you know, you're answering to almost everybody and you're just, you're running around and, you know, making sure to put out fires or prevent fires. What is the intensity? Um, is it just political or is this the the stakes are higher when you're on a big, big budget, you know, high profile movie like Fantastic Beach Beast or uh, Wonder Woman? Um, what, what, what did you def- define, uh, learn from those experiences or like, okay, the, the stakes are higher. Uh, I found that just the stakes are higher, obviously in comparison to like the first feature film that me and Lucy worked on, Let's Be Evil, which was a very low budget British film in comparison to like Wonder Woman or Fantastic Beasts. I have found that stakes are so much higher because obviously there's a lot more money. So you need to know when the, your cast is in costume and makeup, when they're coming out, where they're going, what they're having for lunch, you know, when I was on Wonder Woman and even second unit dealing with the stunt team, what they had to eat, their strict diet. And obviously if you kind of screw that up, then they don't eat and they just continuously work. So you kind of are responsible for a lot more. Uh, I also think that by the time you're working on a blockbuster film or a, you know, billion dollar budget film, you're expected to be at the top of your craft. So the expectation is that you don't make mistakes. So if you do, it's a big deal. Yeah. And there are obviously horror stories and some of them are true where people just get fired on the spot. And it's like, you know, if you've got there, you want to hold on to your job. So you're you're trying your best every second to make sure you're ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. You should be answering the questions before they're even asked. And that's really hard. And it's really bad as well. Like I've been I got told off quite severely on Wonder Woman because I, I messed up quite badly. <laughs> uh we had of <laughs> Our unit got split into a, uh, got separated into a splinter unit. So our third AD 
had to go off and like become the first AD of the splinter unit. So they said, well, Jamie, go on, you can step up and you can be third AD, which I have never really had the experience to do before. So I had to then obviously call the, uh, the stunt team onto set whenever we needed them. And I'd lost a stunt guy. He just went off to the toilet. So, you know, he's just going for a slash. And I just lost him temporarily for about 10 minutes. So when the first AD was like, right, where's Mark, the stunt boy? Everyone turns to me and I'm like, I have no idea. He was literally right here. Everyone, all the runners run away to try and find him. He was just in the bog, you know. (laughs) Everybody goes silent because it's like, oh, no. Yeah, everyone goes silent. ADs are supposed to be the pivot of information. If they don't know where he is, no one knows where he is. So once we finally found Mark and he comes back, you know, shaking his tail and he comes back onto set, the the floor second pulled me aside and said, look, Jamie, I'm not being funny, but don't you ever let that happen again. Not on my watch. If you want to make those mistakes, you can go away. Get off. Go away. See you later. So I... I was actually in the middle of a conversation with one of the makeup girls who then secretly kind of lowered her head because of the embarrassment of me getting told off. And I just turned bright red and went, I'm so sorry for messing this up. I'm just going to go hide away off set somewhere. But how would you, how would you, I'm sorry, how would you, uh, real quick, that that was like, how would you have fixed it? Like in terms of you're thrown in as the AD, just would you have to remind everyone, like, look, if you need to go to the bathroom or, or what's the slang they use, the bog? The the best tip I could give about being an AD is getting your lies on the tip of your tongue. (laughs) And and the best first ADs would back me up on this is that you have to know how to cover really quickly. So if you don't know where he is, you make up where he is and how long he's going to take. And in that time, you find him. So you say, Jamie at that point could have gone... I know that he's gone to do a rehearsal for something just offset. So he said he's going to be about 10 minutes um, and it's been about seven. So just bear with me. I'll get someone. And then you send every runner you have to find that person. Yeah, that was... And they go in every bog and they go in every car in the vicinity. And then they, you come back and calmly go, yep, he's finished now. He's just stepping on. That is when you become a good ID, when the lies just roll off yeah, your yeah, tongue. Yeah. I wish I had that advice because I never <laughs> had that, obviously. Because I obviously just went, he went, well, where is he? I went, I don't know. Well, you're obviously you're the first third AD, so you're meant to know. And I just put my head in my hands, going, "Oh, I, honestly, I have no idea where he is." So obviously, mm. I wish I had you around, Lucy, to kind of give me that advice. <laughs> I learned was quickly how to lie and I know that sounds terrible but you keep the calm of the set if you assume if you if you think people assume you know what's going on even if you don't it's that it's that um make it to you make it yeah but it's that analogy of like the I can't remember it's a duck or a swan where you're calm on top of the water but your legs are going a mile a minute (laughs) right 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 but actually everything's going terribly underneath yeah yeah i was curious um what have you been on these uh these big sets and has there been discussion or is there an expectation understanding of sort of what might be the trajectory of a pa going to you know third assistant director or into the producers associate producers like mostly when you're a pa like i said you're still in the track of the below the line um you know crews so that you're working towards like the ultimate might be like a upm or a production unit production manager or something like that right um well, i think the best example of this for me would be with downton abbott downton abbey with chris croucher because he was at the start of downton abbey very much uh, i think a third or a second ad and he became the producer within a few seasons and that was his tra- trajectory but in other you see some PAs go uh, 
sort of sideways and become director's assistants or become camera or find a department that they like. And you yeah. see others go down, you know, the crowd route and become crowd seconds and crowd thirds yeah. and things like that. Well, they just deal with cast. I know some people, some PAs that prefer to deal with the cast. So, like, one person might just get put with, like, Tom Cruise and just look after them all day mm. or, you know, look after your Chris Pines or, you know, whoever. Because they prefer the one-to-one. There are lots of little branches that come away from being a runner, which is the assistant director department, but it can easily leapfrog you into other departments like, like we've both seen you know PAs who end up in camera and PAs who end up in uh, as a producer's assistant after you know after having three months experience they're suddenly attached to a producer in a big film just because they've worked hard and you know that that person's seen them so it's a really good base level but the natural route is PA third assistant director probably crowd third or crowd second and then you jump back into the main route of second and then first and then producer mm. usually mm -hmm. interesting so? so what when did you guys get together and said hey um i gotta i i gotta just make our my own movie you know so when when did the the need uh during all the the, the downtime that you got in between projects decide like let's let's go for this so how did um this particular film time of the season you know come about well, I'd, I'd written it about a year or so ago, and it took me about a year to write it, and I got it to a good point and started to show producers that we worked on, like low-budget films, and they said, you can't do it, it's too big, because obviously we're dealing with quite a lot of characters. There's 14 in total, all set with like one day. It's like a Paul Thomas Anderson script with like multi-plot you know, multi lines and large number of characters and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I got to the end of Wonder Woman and I was so keen to just do my own thing because I was a bit bored of being told what to do for six, seven months to just make tea. Our trajectories were very parallel. So we met at a similar level at a similar time on, on the same film and both had started to write our own stuff but hadn't really shared it around and both clued in and started sending each other emails around Let's Be Evil time of our work which and then blossomed into like a creative working relationship and eventually Jamie we both got to the point where we were so sick of being PAs because we felt like we were we'd got into the industry we could see the creativity we could see everything we wanted but for, were outside of the loop and the only way that we felt like we could do it legitimately was to do something ourselves so we were like we're actually going to step away we're going to do the weird thing and step away from Wonder Woman step away from Fantastic Beast and work outside of the industry whilst building a independent you know filmmaking career which will eventually lead us to where we wanted to be yeah and so many people, and that's where that article came from, so many people you find do that, they get in, they get to a good level and go, actually, this is not what I wanted to do and I need to actually leave. So, and then I was working on the house in. Yeah. Um, and I was sort of producing from <clears throat> afar um, as much as I could whilst Jamie was sort of, I don't know, what was you class? I was as? doing it. Well, I was kind of like doing everything. I was mostly doing everything, really. I was casting doing yeah doing all the additions mm. casting obviously rewriting then rehearsals getting the location sorted getting just everything sorted on my own really and I was sleeping very little I was probably actually getting more sleep working on Wonder Woman than I was trying to make this film it's insane <laughs> and and it got to like the last few months of pre-production and Lucy went once the house unit is finished once my time on the house, house unit is finished I'm going to come on board and help 
And by that time, I'd already gotten my 14 cast members in place, something that already load of people told me I couldn't do, and I managed to do it, who were all agreed to shoot, you know, be scheduled originally 14 days for free. None of our cast members were being paid, and they all agreed to it and uh, had it all sorted. Then Lucy came aboard, just helped take the rest of the load off so we could just kind of ease into production, and then we just kind of went straight into it, really, didn't we? Yeah, because... Like, if you had, didn't have someone to take off the producer side of things, you the, the balance, Jamie was very capable of doing everything without me until it got to shooting. And then suddenly it was like, well, yeah, we you had, to had kind of, your role yeah, and I yeah. had mine and it was like crazy. Well, it we had to kind of tense. schedule it as well. So we were kind of working as when Lucy would finish her long days, we'd speak on the phone and try and go, this is what we need to do next, this is what needs to happen. Lucy would then say to me, look, Jamie, you need to prioritise this, do this first before you do that. But then we kind of got together, didn't we, and we actually wrote a schedule because obviously... That was a long day. We had to kind of... <laughs> that was a long day. You know, when you're working with a large number of cast members and you're not paying them and you're asking them to take up two weeks of their time for free, you know, you've got to kind of work around their work life, really. So we were kind of... We asked our cast members to give us as much information as possible so they could then you know so they the more information they could give us the better we could kind of schedule so we would know that certain actors aren't in in that morning because of work but they're free in the afternoon and we kind of then worked out that way and it was probably oh it was uh, mate it was very long <laughs> it was a very long and hard process but we I managed think we to sort started it out. that day about 10 or 11 in the morning and we were still scheduling at six or seven o'clock at night and we and i remember distinctly jamie just looking over the laptop and just going we've got to finish this because I can't do this Well, that was anymore. day one. We hadn't yeah. finished the rest. That was only day one. So it was taking us quite a while. But um, once we started to shoot and once everything had kind of fallen into place, it was pretty seamless the way that we kind of just got together and just cracked on. We managed to pull ourselves together a nice crew. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really have much money. And the main thing that obviously that is ju- it's probably more important than the visual is the sound. And I, I knew for a fact I wanted to try and get the best sort of sound as possible. And we only had a little bit of money. And every sound recorder that we knew had kind of laughed in our face and said you can't really do that with that much with that little money it's quite insulting but we managed to find our sound boys who were just you know lifesavers really mm-hmm. and then once that all kind of fallen into place we were like you know let's do this and we just smashed it out and just done it it was great great so then you finished it how long uh when did principal photography uh, con- uh get concluded oh it was like the 20th of August or something. We only we only shot for eleven days, so we only yeah. So we, we scheduled, scheduled 14. fourteen. We finished in eleven because which... we worked so hard, and the mm-hmm. cast and the crew worked so hard, and we had, which I'm really pleased we did. We had real backups in place, so every day if we finished early, we didn't go home. We we did another scene, and we called someone in, or we switched something around so we could get ahead, mm-hmm. and that really was in our favour, and that's AD experience yeah, that absolutely. fed that. Absolutely. If we'd have come in from a different you know, world, you would have been like, oh, brilliant, finishing at four o'clock, let's all go home and early start tomorrow. But as ADs, you know, you get it in the bag. If yeah. you've got the cast there and you've got the su- sunlight, because we were doing all like natural lighting, <clears throat> if you've got that, you keep shooting. So we kept shooting and all of the crew and cast, we made sure we looked after them. So if we asked them to stay, they'd stay and they were happy. I think as well, I think because Lucy and I have come from an AD background, so in a sense, we are professionals in what we do. You know, we work in the industry. On the outside, we look like you know we look quite young. We might not be taken very seriously, but obviously, as soon as we get onto set, our AD hats go on, and we just own it. So we got a load of comments, didn't we? 
pretty much after the first day, like, I can't believe how professionally this has been run. They definitely felt like it was going to be a shoddy, like, They might have looked at us and thought, you know, student film, okay, this isn't really, you know, Mm because we look quite young. Mate, you get us onto a film set, we're just going to boss it, so. (laughs) (laughs) It draws to you, though, you know, like, the behaviours of what happens when it's turnover at 8am, you have got everybody ready and you're on set. No matter if it's someone's house that you've borrowed on a small film and all these people are working for free, the behaviour is so ingrained that you're like, well, uh, Jamie, it's it's five to eight, no one's on set. And it's like, we run around and get everybody Mm -hmm. on set that pace yeah and we weren't going to take anything from no one so you know <laughs> I don't, I will, you know we weren't just going to roll over so we were really chuffed ourselves that we did it in 11 days i can't lie I liked- <laughs> <laughs> well congratulations i think it's really cool to for the audience for all, all of us and myself to at least get a background see where you guys are coming from and the discipline and the skill sets of you know coming from all types of productions, independent to, you know, the major blockbusters, and then saying, taking that skill set and that discipline and bringing it to your own project. And now that we're, we're talking about the project, I think we can segue into sort of the, um, I guess, the sales and marketing questions. And this is the, the, the concept behind this is it, is to sort of workshop uh, and uh, your film um, through these questions. So I think the first thing we do, I mean, we mentioned in the title, um, but Let's, let's just start from the beginning and say, I don't know any, I never met any of you before. Imagine that. I'm in the elevator. How would you, how do you pitch your movie? What is your pitch? Like, how do you do it? Like, what is the pitch? Like, I have no idea what your movie's about. How do you pitch it to me? Jamie's looking at me and I'm looking at Jamie like, this is why we wanted to workshop this with you. Um, <laughs> I probably would go down the route. Maybe we should do one each. I probably would go down the route of, I normally set it up as time of the season is completely surreal, completely farcical. It's about one family on one day, um, an extended family comes together and it descends into chaos because there's a lot you don't know and a lot that comes out. Um, that's how I would yeah. set it up. But, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd probably say something similar. Mm. Time of the season, one day, one big family, what could go wrong? Something something like that. That's how I'd say it. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, no, it, it, it's good. You have some uh, elements there to, to work with, you know. And this is not to be like a like a pitch, you know, workshop, but it's mostly just... I'm very well, I <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, so, no, it's mostly... There were some good things there because you, you mentioned uh, satirical or farcical, which means mm-hmm. like it... it you can bring that up first. Um, my, a friend of mine and a past guest, Stephanie Palmer, who wrote the book Good in a Room, and she's a former MGM executive, she sat through like, I don't know, 3,000 some pitches, you know, of like, you know, in the, of a major studio. So she's heard them all. And she says one of the great, the best advice is that to always start with the genre. So if I was an elevator with you guys or something, and, you know, if it was the movie, it says, and, I, and somebody asks you, so, oh, you, what are you working on? I guess, well, I just made this independent feature film. And it goes, what's it about? It's a satirical, farcical, or it's a, or it's a comedy. Just saying, it goes, it's a... Yeah, One of the yeah. things we said was like a black dramedy or a black comedy. You know, it's all of that. So what you've hit the nail on the head, but obviously our pitch wasn't rehearsed. We didn't get that Right, line. right. No, no, no. That was great. So then you could start off like, oh, our film, it's a black comedy, or it's like a... Uh, it's a black comedy about, or just say it's a comedy. It's a comedy. Yeah. It's a dark comedy. Um, those two things, probably you know, dark comedy. It's like it's a dark comedy about a, you know, a family, an extended family that gets together for one day, and there are secrets that are revealed that will blow your mind. 
something like that. You know, so what you know what I'm saying is like you, you yeah, keep yeah. it you keep it simple, but the other person's like, "What do you mean? What secret?" So you're trying to get the per you're, you're trying to get the person to say, "Well, what do you mean? What's the next thing?" Because if you just yeah. like honestly, if you just kind of just threw it out there, like, okay, it's like you know, it's an extended family, and you know, and chaos erupts, and you're it, you, you what you're trying to do is make it like. I have enough drama in my life with my family. I don't know if I want to watch a film with somebody else's drama. But but if you make it intriguing, if you add yeah. the element of mystery to it, like you there's to me what I heard was secrets. So okay. So if you really figure out a way to like harness that to be like, oh, there are some secrets. Oh, there's some do, do you know, some doozies, you know, something like that. That would make it you're you're just trying to get the the next person to, or the person to go to lean in and go, "Well, what are they?" you know. So you can kind of work on that. I mean, we don't have to like get it ex, you know, expert here, but from what I can hear, why that's important is because if you can get really zeroed in on your pitch or or the intrigueness of this, um, this will eventually become sort of your marketing message or the things that you put on, you know, your hashtag or the things you put on, like when you have a poster and it's the, 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 the marketing tag. So it's, you have your one sentence log line, which kind of intrigues the listener or the audience. Uh, then you'll have like a, you know, maybe three sentence synopsis of what your film's about. And then you have the marketing tagline, you know, just, you know, built around this. And those, all those things, if, if they go hand in hand, they should be able to be very useful tools moving forward with all the marketing materials. Um, let me ask you, the theme of your movie, is it, you know, like themes are like man versus nature or, um, you know, overcoming death or things like that. Do you, what is the theme of, of this film? Family. Uh I guess parents and parents and yeah. uh, children. I guess possibly also like not rites of passage, but it's like sort of like a it's catharsis. Like a lot of stuff comes out, and there is a, a, a element of that it was building here, and then it needs to be gone through, and then it you know. So I okay. don't have to. Yeah. Thing. Is it yeah, okay? Say. Okay, so we can. The reason why I'm asking about the theme is that you know one of the first questions that you had, um, had asked about was, well, how can you guys define your target audience, you know, and how you can use it? And I mean, again, so anybody listening, like all <laughs> all filmmakers are like, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm making my film, but I still don't know who my target audience is, and you know, how do I go about doing that? Um, the reason I'm asking about the theme and why that's important is because the theme actually could help reveal your marketing message. Um, and then, so if it's a, if the theme is revolving around like a cathartic, catharsis sort of moment of self-realization or a family realization or some something that needs to, like secrets that need to be revealed in order to transcend to awareness or whatever it might be. So, that's, I mean, again, I have never seen your film, so I don't even know. I'm, I'm just trying to zero in on kind of what you're, what you're, you know, That's telling it. me. That's yeah. It. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, um, so what we, what you want to try to do is to narrow, narrow in on what that theme might be. So let's just assume it's something like, um, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with it. Try, like if there's some basic themes, I'll have to give you the link. It's like, you know, stories have like some of the most like s simple themes. It's, uh, you know, like in man versus nature, uh, man versus monster. Um, it might be love conquers all, 
you know it might be like the 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 stereotypes of all the films like we were talking about dude with a problem and stuff like okay all films yeah fit some sort of heading yeah if i if i whip out the uh, save uh save yeah. the cat books right behind me i'm sure blake snyder's got it got this film would fit in that i actually have no idea well, there, there probably might be something there because it's like, uh, mm-hmm. so to do with the problem, there might be something there in terms of, of, it sounds like secrets need to be revealed. Things need to come out in the open in order to have a, a transformative or transcending uh, evolution of growth of this family or individuals. So it's... Um, yeah, I'm I'm thinking off the top of my head right now too because I you know this is all the stuff that we're getting yeah, at. Yeah. But I think what could be done is like let's just let's just kind of work with that concept here. Um, oh, you got like a cat, a dog. Sorry, my sister just knocked on the door. Bye, Nicole. Yeah, <laughs> Bye. Apologies about that. No, 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 no. This is what this is awesome about Skype. It's like what was it the famous the the BBC interview with the the, yeah, the stock market Nick- guy and his his yeah, family came in. <laughs> okay, so we can work with something like this. So you have a theme. So we, we talked a little bit about the log line being like, you know, the family secrets. Like there's like, oh, what's what are what are these secrets? That's intrigue that should be a starting gate of what could be intriguing. The next thing could be um the theme, which is the secrets uh need to be revealed in order to transform, you know? So yeah. um what what ad executives would do is try to grab hold of that theme if i you know i don't know if you're familiar with like uh mad men and john don draper and that you know that big that tv show i mean yeah. that that was the art of it was this 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 concept he would come in with these amazing ideas and tell these stories and pitch this ad campaign to the clients you know but it was all wrapped around this this story concept or you know what like he was selling like the kodak uh, carousel you know and he was he was explaining like how are they going to sell this new Kodak carousel slides back in the the sixties, and um, the reality is, is like he was just talking about this is like this portal into memories or something you know so it's like understanding there's emotional context so the the theme what we're trying to get at is what is the the carnal emotional connection that all humans can uh, identify with like. You know, do you have these burning secrets that, you know, if you could just spill out, you know, what could happen or with the like the weight off your shoulders, you know, this burden, like the burden of your secrets, if they could be revealed, what would that mean for you? You know, something like that. And so what happens now is then your marketing message and you zero in on your that sort of like concept will actually reveal to you sort of your targeted audience, you know. So um, by reverse engineering it, like trying to think like if I saw like a, a poster or an image, because I saw the image you guys are using for Instagram and your Facebook um, page, it's sort of like the Last Supper because they're all like yeah. lined up like the Last Supper. Yeah, um, yeah. But it looks like, yeah, you know, tongue in cheek, it's tongue in cheek because you kind of see it's like kind of a, a comedic version of the Last Supper, the painting. But if you can see like a tagline below, it's like um, every family has secrets. But what if all those secrets were revealed on one fateful day? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. it's like oh, like you know something like that. It could be like um, and and oh what maybe because it's a f- comedy, you can say like and oh what fun we would have. 
you know, or something, something to the line, like you have the last supper image and it says something like that. It says, um, every family has secrets, but what if, but what if that, that concept of, but what if this sets up the story? What if Mm -hmm. all the secrets were revealed in one day? And then you say at the the last tagline, the last sentence would be like, oh, what fun. Cause that way it's like, people know like, oh man, I got family. Oh man, that would be nuts. So that that could be sort of like the beginning stages of 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 exploring the the marketing message, the theme of your movie. So you have uh, again, it's um, all families have secrets. Period. But what if you know? What if all the secrets revealed in one day? Question mark. And then say, oh, what fun! And three things right there give you a a leg up and going, okay, this is how we can connect with an audience. Because then. What you can do is um, target audiences based off of um, family get-togethers. So you may not know who your your audience is right away. I I would suggest because um, explain to us where you film, where you actually shot the film, and what part of you know England are you guys? Because so I so I live in Surrey, which is I would say it's south of London, mm-hmm. but other people might say differently. And we literally <laughs> got about ten minutes down the road from my house so it's a pretty standard sort of suburban house really mm. for free four bedroom house mm-hmm. okay cool so this is it's interesting because um from like a global perspective in order to make it a global story you know that 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 concept of family secrets is there that's sort of like would be your marketing message mm-hmm. um and then the uniqueness comes in the fact that this takes place in a in a suburban town south of london you know yeah. and just own it I think you. I think that's what I remember about independent film. That we, as a as a lover of independent film, is just the uniqueness of different territories. I remember mm-hmm. seeing like um, here in America, we have uh, Atlanta, Georgia, this town of Atlanta, which is like sort of Hollywood South, where they film like everything from the Avenger films and things like that. But a lot of the independent films that I see coming out of there, that 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 city has a quite a diverse uh, cultural you know mix you know, of, you know, African-Americans and Indians and Asians and white people, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not what the, the constructs of Hollywood, you know, you know, put together and show to us. So the great thing I remember about, you know, um, independent films, things like um, classics or some like the full Monty, you know, it's like, I don't know if you remember that film in England or like, or uh, even uh, train spotting, you know, these things were so quintessential like of a time or there might be like some Irish films or Scottish films that because they were they wrapped around a very specific neighborhood in different parts of Europe or something like that it made it so intriguing it was exotic and I think you have something there if you just you just it's right probably right in front of your nose like there it is like who would have known that this this town south of London was unique and exotic but it could be you know so, um, but you're dark and exhausted. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> but to others, it might. Be. So, um, what, what do you? What were you guys thinking as your target audience? Uh, just initially, uh, like the feedback you got from the script, or maybe the maybe the actors, or just like conversations that might have gone on in the last few months. That feedback you might have gotten. Well, we hadn't thought about target audience until we got to the point where the, the film was shot. In all honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we did start thinking about it and, and, and editing it and looking at the footage and how the story came together, it 
definitely felt like it was pitched older than us and that actually we'd made a film for an older age range that is definitely 25 plus through to 65 because this story doesn't feature young people. It doesn't feature young themes. It is about family. It's about that later stage really from 30 onwards where you're part of a family unit and things can unravel. And when we started looking into, once we started building our social media channels and looking at the, the data and the statistics that were coming back, it reflected that so although it obviously the base for our facebook is our friendship group which is young people you would assume it would skew towards the 18 to 25 kind of age range but still it persisted 30 plus so the the way that it's being shared and viewed is by a slightly older audience which makes sense because of the story that's being told back to you and what you'd relate to so i'd say i'd say 35 plus Mm. and in terms of uh, demographics I would say probably we were talking in really basic terms about how we learned in school earlier today in terms of like ABC1 and C2DE like it is it reflects the middle classes and the upper yeah. classes but there are some lower class elements to it so I would say we still sit in the ABC1 kind of demographic of people so older with a little bit of money who have traditional family units i'd say that because that's what they would relate to it right right traditional, but that, that could be broken up <laughs> now that that might be um it's interesting because that might be sort of like um like surface data what i mean that is that it's definitely because like the characters you put in place you know this the suburban landscape the environment the setting um like you said a conventional family so you're in terms of there's aunts and uncles, there's cousins. So it seems like it's extended enough that if, if you're familiar with that world, that's something you could connect with. But the interesting thing is sort of getting to the psychology, the emotional psychology of an audience. Um, one of the great things about like the 1930s uh, in Hollywood in like sort of a, uh, the, the Great Depression was that there's a lot of films, if you look back, uh, musicals were popular, you know, um, and a lot of the films kind of portrayed the affluent, you know, it's like when Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers were, you know, dancing around, they're always wearing, you know, he's wearing a top, top hat. He was like tucks and, you know, tails and he was amazing. And like, but there's lots of films like that, which projected this sort of American dream of the aspiration, you know, Mm -hmm. it didn't necessarily relate. It's not like the concept there is like, it's not all like all affluent people were just going to go see the movies. It was like everyone was going to see the movies because they could project themselves emotionally, mm-hmm. you know. And so, what you can do is we could try to dig a little deeper, or at least with the, the the maybe an analysis of the emotional connection. So, anyone who's who's maybe you start with your actors, what connected? What was the emotional connection for them? Maybe you start with some of your friends and family. Just start small. Just start getting feedback because you're trying to get the emotional. Um, transformation or or response from them or what your film has. And that might be then leads you to what ideally might be your target audience. Uh, Cause you mm-hmm. might feel like, you know what? I just want to, I just wanted to see it cause it looked a lot of fun. Um, I guess somebody might in America, Mike, so see the trailer and say, I really enjoyed just this concept of, I don't know, the, the accents, you know, cause it wasn't, it was still family, but it was not, you know, my family or it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, well, I didn't, I, I just want to see it. Cause it make me feel like, like my, my family is not too crazy, you know, or, or whatever it is. Like maybe we're not alone, you know, 
like maybe like at your the whole point is like this this the story the message of the the story is like you're not alone all of us um so that's something to dig into a little bit more is to try to find that emotional through line like and that could then reveal to you truly who you might your targeting audience might be as opposed to sort of like a surface like um <clears throat> well we're just looking for you know white males 1835 that make between this range you know because what that doesn't tell you is sort of the the aspirations or the emotional psychology behind them. And so that's what you're trying to find. Um, for instance, you know, there's a, you know, something like, um, like the movie, The Arrival or Arrival that was uh, with Amy Adams and um, uh, Jeremy Renner. You know, the thing comes out, it's a, like a kind of a heady sci-fi film, you know? So there's, but it could be, it could probably be targeted to our people that like to be challenged intellectually like that. You know, and sci-fi is just sort of the blanket or the the genre that masks over this bigger philosophical question. You know, so the people that are hungry for philosophical discussions or questions, um, that can how do you how do you measure that? Are they all white male? Are they female? You know what I mean? It's not. So then you have to dig deep into the the marketing message of that that emotion. He goes because that film would be like. What if time was circular or what if the whole point was like, what if you knew, you know, uh, a loved one was going to like, what if you knew your daughter was going to die? Uh, would you still have her? You know, it's like that is like this dilemma. So anyway, so you have this thing with your film. So I think there's as we're beginning to un unravel a bit more, uh, I think there's an emotional through line there that you can then you might be able to discover that audience. But you won't know unless you start. Um, sort of testing the waters with social media marketing by putting little graphics together on Instagram, you know, of saying, um, may take a bunch of still frames from your movie um, with Instagram. I can jump into this because one of the next questions you had was like, well, how do we use social, social media effectively? At the same time, you're asking, what about graphics, posters, and visuals? So here, let's just start with like the platform of, of Instagram. Instagram <laughs> you know, is just scrolling up and looking at cool pictures and you're just quickly just like love, 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 <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like, if you see something worth, you know, commenting on, then you comment on it, you know? Um, but that is sort of the, the platform. It's just like, I need to see visuals, 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 and let me double click like it, you know? So what you can do is take, now you have to, you know, it's going to be a square image, so you take a square, a bunch of square images of clips from your movies and use the same psychology of YouTube thumbnails. The way YouTube thumbnails work is you have to have a thumbnail that's like if somebody clicks on the on the thumbnail and it goes to the video, that they have to see that image somewhere later in the line in, you know, in um in the video. Um, but what usually resonates with people is seeing somebody's uh, reaction or there's some visceral thing going on with the image. So how many times if you, if you look through YouTube, you'll see a bunch of, again, people listen to the audio podcast version of this, but you guys can see me video-wise. There's always somebody <laughs> There's always somebody with like their face looking right in the camera going, you know, or you know what I mean? And then it says something like, you know, top 10 tips on whatever, or like, oh my God, I'm making the biggest mistake. You know, they'll have like then text on top of this image, you know? So uh, you were ready to say something, Jamie. 
Uh, no, sorry. I was going to say, hopefully not with that face that you. you so it's this cartoonish kind of over yeah. the top, like you say, visceral, big, you know, emotional moment that's in one picture, and then you can lay the images of the text or whatever over the top. Right, because then say I see there's a lot of like there's moments in your film uh, the, the the trailer that you showed me. You can grab images as like, you know, there's one guy that looks interesting. He's got an interesting mustache. He has an interesting look. If you yeah. look and then if you, you know, doctor this square image up and it just simply says, every family has secrets. He goes, he goes, but what, you know, what, and just say, uh, and um, again, just repeat that over. Like every family yeah. has secrets. What if all the secrets revealed in one day? Oh, what fun. Yeah. And it's just like this picture of you know, and then in the in the in the description, you can add more details. But you can what it is is that if you repeat that and do the right the way Instagram works best is like if you do like um, hashtags. So as long as it's like hashtag family, hashtag then pair it around uh, events coming up um, like holidays uh, that there might be a chance that family get to gets together. Hashtag weddings. Hashtag um, you know whatever event might come up um you know throughout the year it might be like hashtag thanksgiving for here in america hashtag christmas hashtag easter is coming up you know anything that you think there might be a family get together then start hashtagging it because um because then when people see it like oh yeah family's coming up oh, i gotta go you can imagine somebody scrolling through like oh, i gotta go to this event or this breakfast with my family for easter or something and they crawl and they see this like every family's got secrets, you know. What if they're all revealed one day? How fun! And goes hell no, you know. It's like, but they see pictures of it, you know. You might even put like little Snapchat things on top, like graphics on top of your characters, you know, whatever it might be. But what it is is like you have a collection of images in your film that show off your characters, but you know they don't have to be stars because they're not. You're just trying to get a message across. Like we all have secrets. What after they were all revealed? Oh, what fun! Over and over, you know, boom, 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 hashtagging it, have a, you know, and, and your your method to like Instagram is like maybe once every hour, maybe only four images a day, you know, but you're trying to build up as anybody who starts liking it, you follow them because they might start following you, you know, and so that, that the film begins to so like it's that back and forth following. And there honestly, there are some hacks if people, if you know, want to know, just go YouTube, like just find somebody to show you like here's a hack how to get tons of followers yeah. but they're not they're not real um you, you can make that decision if you want to go down that route just to make it look like you have more people following you but you have to kind of know what your strategy is um sometimes if you're needing to meet with an a like an executive or something like that they they might want to see like how many followers um your movie's gotten so far facebook instagram twitter um you may have to use a technique you know it's a hack you know, it's it's not the most um, authentic hack, but it still can work in terms of like how people get many followers, you know, but at the same time, you still want to be able to generate uh, useful content so that it has a meaningful um, um, impact to those types of people. So that's one trick you can do with uh, Instagram is create these these images from your movie using the, the interesting faces that you have of your actors. Again, it's great because you have a range. It's not just young actors. It's like young and old. And then um, then you can start testing out these different like 
like marketing taglines. Like again, we just came up with something simple to use, but you might do variations off that. And if you, those that get more a better response than the others, that will then tell you the audience is going to tell you which you know tagline is working better than the other. So if you put out, I think you have one now in the, the in Twitter or something. It's something like one day. Uh, well, let me read it real quick. You probably know it by heart, Jamie. Go ahead. Do you know it? <laughs> Oh, is it one 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 day one big farcical <laughs> one big one, toxic one big family, family. one yeah. farcical okay so yeah it's yeah go you have one that's right one big toxic family one day relationships unravel into a farcical catastrophe yeah. yeah so you could try that or you realize what's that it's quite wordy isn't it yeah yeah when you see it. <laughs> put on an image you're like oh but how do we do this you know yeah. but that's the beauty of like those marketing taglines like you know you really have that that's the why they have a, a whole studio team working on it to come up with like um, variations so mm -hmm. you might come up with a bunch of variations and it might just hit like wait a minute there's something in the script that somebody says that really just captures the whole theme but is intriguing enough because you're, you're 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 trying to find that emotional connection. So with Facebook, I'm sorry, Instagram, you can do that. You can take the great thing about Instagram, you can immediately just link it and share it on Facebook, your Facebook account, your that page, as well as your Twitter account. So by starting with Instagram, you already are generating images and content for the other two platforms, and that way it's just something you do on a daily basis um, uh, just to get started. You know, <laughs> just to start getting feedback. And by the ha the beauty of the hashtag is that you're trying to capitalize on other people's, you know, events or something. Or, you know, I don't know if you ever tried it with Instagram, but if you do like hashtag, you know, Easter, before you even type in Easter, it'll bring up yeah. like how many posts or people are hashtagging or something like that. Those are the types of things you want to, you know, capitalize on. Okay, so you've got that. Um, I'm talking about posters and graphics and visuals. Um, again, the, the, the difficulty is because they're, they're not named actors. Like there's no stars that, that a global audience is going to identify with. Um, but there might be local people they might identify with, you know? So you might have a different, like a campaign just for your local Facebook, you know, you can start with your community. Like if you, if you just focused on like the, the, the town that it was shot in and then London, that's enough. Believe me, that's enough effort, enough, you know, uh, of, of impact that, that can be very useful for your, your film's sort of reach. Because um, if you make some dent in, in London, that can then translate to the world, you know. So if you just kind of focus locally, you might be uh, okay there. Um, I wanted to get into you. another question you had was content competitions and engagement, you know, like, well, what should we do and how should we do this? And then we're talking about the content that you create. And the, the way the online marketing works is it's the shared economy. It's the content marketing economy. It's uh, in terms of the marketing side of things. Because no longer can you use advertisement because advertisement is very disruptive. It's the concept of you're reading a magazine and every other page is an advertisement, right? So those are like paid, they're inserted. And so they sort of disrupt the flow of like an article you're reading, you know, <laughs> they're just how many times you've read a magazine in the way. Uh, if you're watching the, the traditional television, that was the case. It was just commercials were interrupting the flow. Um, listening to a radio, you would have 
inter commercials interrupted the flow of the content that you really want to listen to, which was the music or watch the television show or read the, the articles or the, the pictures in the magazine. So the way uh, online marketing works is the reason why banners and things don't work very well in the digital space because we have the control to click through everything. We're like, I get this banner out of, you're always looking for that X. Like where's, yep. I'm, where is this thing? Because it's interrupting your flow of like how to read an article, absorb it. And what doesn't help is a lot of these sometimes um, they call clickbaitable, I guess, um, websites. You've seen it before. Somebody says, um, movie stars, what, you know, what they used to look like and what they look like now. Or it's like, you know, and you, if you'd ever do one of those types of sites, you click and you have to click through each page to see the picture. And they mm -hmm. do that on purpose because they built a, a system around uh, the number of clicks. But it's, it's just plagued with like ads all over the place. And there's like very little content. And the reality is they could easily give you all the same information in one list. Like I've seen one that was like the top 10 horror films you need to watch or every you know filmmaker needs to watch. So I go, I'm going, okay, well, what does that mean? So I click on the <laughs> link. It's like the first movie, you know, is a, an image and then like a little description of it. But then I got to click to like next page, next page. And every other page is an advertisement. Yeah. And it's like, it drives me bonkers. And I remember, I remember some site putting this together and then I collected the entire um, list. It was like 10 movies. I put in a list and then I put the whole the whole list in the comment section because it was like in the first page, people were commenting on it. And I said, look, if you don't want to click through this whole thing, here's the list. And, you know, because it was driving me nuts. Plenty. <laughs> but the whole point was what I'm getting at is the how interruptive marketing is is distracting it doesn't really work on the online space and especially when filmmakers like a lot of us don't have the money and the bandwidth to handle the marketing side of things how do you do it using social media and what is really when you talk about content and competitions engagement what is what are you creating in in order to um up the level of engagement and and things like that and so that's why by you kind of have to look at the long tail things it's like You've ever heard that before? That that saying before? It's uh, you can have it fast, cheap, or good. But you got to pick two. You've heard that before. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so because you know, um, we know it's not going to be. You, you, we know it's going to be cheap because if you don't have any money, or that, like, because if all of us filmmakers don't have any money, we already have one thing. So we can either make it fast or good. So if we make it cheap and fast, what suffers? Good. You know, but if you want to make it, you know, cheap and good, it's not going to be fast. So it's one of those things like you have to just, you know, understand that you're building it up for uh, a long term in terms of the audience. So by doing those things I talked about on Instagram, uh, you're creating content that's in, you know, you're trying to really zero on that theme that the theme has to be emotionally connected to all humans of some sort or an aspect of the human uh, struggle that we all can connect with. And that could help you overcome the fact that you don't have, like I say, right at this particular time, a major distribution company behind you, uh, a major, you know, sales staff behind you and any, you know, leverage in terms of like a notable star, you know, so you're going to have to you elevate the, the concept or the discussion points of what family secrets do you have? And maybe that's the way you engage is just simply you might have an image of another image of one of your clips from your movie and then say, you know, what deep, dark family secrets do you have? 
in share below or something like or, or find finding an, a vehicle or an avenue like in your Facebook page on Twitter, you know, just asking these questions uh, or, or, you know, and somebody sharing anonymously like, oh, my gosh, my father, I found out was, you know, not my father you know, or something like that or so, allowing people to share ridiculous secrets. So then now you're creating a something that goes beyond your movie. So if you can do something where you collect this data or collect this feedback from just random people on social media, as long as you create interesting content, like so the content might be just an interesting picture, um, you might take something, you know, there's no, the, you can just grab like a photo, like a, a still frame from like a famous movie of some famous actor and, you know, might be like Jack Black going, screaming, you know, with his face and they might say something like, what is your family secrets, you know? you know, comment below. That's it. You know, it's like, cause probably you scrolling through might go, uh, or might see like the Kardashians, you know, something like you're talking yeah. about family of secrets or they don't have any secrets cause we, we know them all or something, you know, it's like, but what I'm getting at is there's a lot of ways that you can create interesting images, but you're trying to make sure that the, the question or the theme is actually the, the thing that's the main star. So here we are, you can create engagement by, um, Finding a place like that, uh, Twitter allows you to do that because people can comment in, you know, and also Instagram, you know, but Twitter has sometimes a, a life of its own and also Facebook. So each Facebook post you put out there, you might try, try it one time and just do an ad, like just like do a Facebook ad to the people of, of London, you know, and so that's a lot of people. But they might, you know, scroll through and, and people might share something or the comment, you know, you kind of... You have to kind of figure out a way, like allow them to comment maybe anonymously. Because if somebody's really on Facebook, they know who they are. You know, you can see their faces, you know, their profile. So if they're commenting on something or maybe the question is what crazy family secrets um, have, you know, have you ever heard of before? Comment below or something like that. So now you're trying to, you're grabbing engagement. You're grabbing questions out of the, out of a normal audience. Now this is an audience that are not filmmakers. You know, because I know that the blog that you created for filmmaking process that was designed for other filmmakers, other filmmakers to learn from your skill set as uh, uh, production assistants, um, working in you know third you know third assistant directors, all, all these types of things, and how you were able to gen you know finish a feature film with fourteen characters in eleven days. That's like the that's interesting information for other filmmakers. But you know how it is with other filmmakers. If you ever go to a film festival, they always want to know, like, what did you shoot your movie on? What was the budget? Like, that's all they care about. Yeah. And if you get a deal, if you were able to sell it for, you know, to a distributor and stuff like that, like, well, how'd you do that? You know, that's all they care about. So you're trying to make a movie that connects with an audience. And so this is outside of other filmmakers. So that is where the theme and the emotional uh, connection could come in. And now the engagement comes in, like how can you create something where it allows them to ask questions of like, or, or share interesting tidbits? Cause you might become like a, just like a fun site that people get to share the craziest family secret stories, you know, in an anonymous way, you know, and that way it's sponsored by the film time of the, of the season. So now what I'm saying is like the film is not necessarily becomes the main thing. It's just it's sort of a celebration of this idea of this theme. And then you have like a simple website or something that aggregates all these all this feedback from other people online that, you know, here's the, you know, as of today or whatever, you know, March 18th, 2017, like here's the best stories of the day 
or the best secrets of the day, you know, and so people could read it. It just becomes like a, you, you just have to figure a way to maybe collect and aggregate all this information into like a running blog, you know? So it's not like you're just cut and pasting. You don't even have to do all the work. You just ask the question online. Anybody gives you feedback, you cut and paste it into a blog. And then the blog on the side of the blog is just like, you know, this movie, you know, this blog is sponsored by um, your film, which has the same theme, which is like family secrets revealed. You have to forgive me. I am totally just off the cuff, just, you know, just whipping this out. So people are listening to this. It's like, I, it's not like I have this all planned out. Where as we're discussing here, I'm trying to, I'm trying to dig deeper and go, and I see where you have some things here that could be beneficial. Yeah. Um, now I'll take a, I'll take a quick break to drink my water here, but let me ask you, do you have any other questions or, or some of this stuff beginning to make sense? And, yeah. and where are you, where am I losing you? <laughs> No, I'm I'm really happy to listen to you workshop it. It's really interesting, especially because we've got into our own world with it. And actually to have someone else in the mix who actually is in the industry giving us feedback is really useful because you can talk to your friends and your parents and, you know, all those people. But sometimes you don't trust the advice. Whereas with you, workshopping it with you, you've got the experience, you know, you've got the links, you've got that network of people. So therefore everything we're talking through is relevant and yeah. it's stuff we can actually put into practice. It's so. great as well because obviously we, this is a first for us. Obviously everyone told us we couldn't even make this film. So for us to get this far mm -hmm. is, is amazing. So to hear you talk, you know, for us to be talking to you is, is, is even better. So, you know, this is great. I'm, I'm, and actually I'm... the fact that we're on our back foot a bit and we don't know what we're doing, I already can see that if it wasn't us doing this interview, I would love listening to this episode as someone in our position. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah to you like right okay yeah cool. yeah i'll do that yeah i'll do that i've been writing stuff down this has been awesome <laughs> okay so that concludes my interview with uh, part one at least with the filmmakers uh, jamie benyon and lucy jordan and i hope you're getting some you know cool tips or like some insight about how you may approach your film um, listening to the conversation or really just listening to me babble <laughs> but um I, I implore you to check out part two as well as we finish up this conversation um, and kind of you know, delve in a little bit more uh, on their project. And again, hopefully you find some relevant you know, tips that you can use for your films. If you like this interview, please think about leaving a ratings and review over in iTunes for me. Just go to filmtrooper.com forward slash iTunes. That will take you to the iTunes page. And any ratings and review would be very, very helpful in spreading the word about this particular podcast. And of course, don't go away empty-handed because I have a free gift for you over at freegearguide.com. It's an equipment list of everything I use to make a feature film for $500 without a crew. Again, that's at freegearguide.com. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will see you next time. Film Trooper. Filmmaking freedom for the independent.